0: Hello and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guest to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. I'm excited today to be joined by Greg Hill, Chief People Officer at Exos. Exos is the leader in the field of human performance. They are a company built by performers for performers. For over 20 years, their team has been trusted by elite athletes and leaders in business to provide performance solutions that help them go further and achieve more. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, Brian. So excited to be part of this. And like so many listeners before me, it's been a great journey coming up to here and listening to everybody else before me.
0: Well, you know, I've said it before and I I just love doing this show. It's a great way to reconnect. We'll get into where our relationship started within Starwood, but, you know, I'm going to do like I always do and start at the very beginning. So... You go to a great little university up in upstate New York, Niagara University. A lot of my fellow Canadians have played hockey at that school, so <laughs> I, I know that school pretty well. And you've got a bachelor of science in HR management. How did you get into the hospitality field out of school, or did you have an inkling while you're in school? Because I think
1: you went straight from school to Hyatt Hotels. I think. All that's true. So born and raised in upstate New York in Rochester. So it's good to hear Jim McPartland on your. On your uh, call, a fellow upstate guy. So yes, went to school up there, youngest of four, and uh, that was commutable and affordable for, for the fourth child who had to figure that one out. And so as part of that journey, I ended up working at the Hyatt Buffalo for two of my four years there as an intern, first in their rooms division, and then ultimately in their HR department. So that was the beginning of a 10 year journey with Hyatt. I learned a ton about the hotel business. I was studying HR. But as a result of that, I, I went and did a, a minor in hospitality and kind of did what back then was kind of this dual role of learning hotels and HR in hotels. And I loved it. And then we weren't big enough to have Hyatt come recruit on our campus for their hotel program, but through a lot of bothering my HR director and general manager and a petition to Chuck Powell at the time was running national college relations, we were able to get Hyatt to come to Niagara university and thankfully Uh, it paid off. I had an opportunity to join them as an intern uh, after graduation, which back then was about an 18-month rotation through three hotels, half of it in the operating side and in uniform, which I just think was a huge part of what we can talk about in a minute. Then the other half of it is a rotation through HR departments. But that was the beginning. And I did that in Crystal City, Virginia after I graduated and never looked back for eight more years.
0: Oh, wow. So you went from Niagara right down to Crystal City?
1: Yeah, that was my first assignment when I went down for my HR internship program, excuse me, graduation management training program. And it was really great because like many of the hotel brands that we both worked for, there was seven or eight of them all within that area. And so I I bounced around a little bit like pinball machines with Crystal City, Washington, DC, Bethesda, Reston, Virginia, Arlington, Virginia. So it was great that I could kind of jump around wherever, wherever Hyatt asked me to go without having to relocate.
0: And back then, I guess Hyatt was all corporately owned and managed, right? I don't think there were franchises back then.
1: Exactly right. And like many of your experiences, the industry was on fire. So we used to joke around that Hyatt stood for have your ass there tomorrow because anybody who was willing to move, <laughs> we moved. And so like many of your stories, I wasn't the, the, uh, the brightest, but I was the one raising my hand all the time to say, let's go. And so uh, thankfully that got me to 13 different hotels while I worked for them.
0: Well, you know, that is just a constant theme in season three. And I've I've talked about it before (laughs) that, you know, the ability to move and the willingness to move in this industry. Anyways, we all feel, you know, us old guys, you're still a young guy, but us old guys (laughs) felt like that was always a plus and it's getting harder and harder with this new work from home, you know, community that we have and everything else. But so were you, in it to become an HR professional through the training program? Or was it one of those Hyatt training programs where you just go everywhere. And then at the end, you kind of decide which discipline you want to specialize in.
1: It was an HR program. So roughly six to eight months in all of the F&B and room side. And then you moved over to HR and did a couple different disciplines there within a hotel. With the idea you'd come out of there in some type of HR position within one of the hotels. And so it was an incredible experience, Brian. I mean, one, you, you're doing your rotation in uniform. And, and like many of the conversations you've had with others on this call, humility and just the ability to, to understand who really runs the business and who makes this grow and go every day. It was an amazing experience for me. And then, as I said, towards the back end of it, you rotate through a couple of hotels, HR teams, and uh, they place you at the end of that 18 months within an HR role.
0: Yeah, I'm a firm believer in, you know, I always look at, and maybe this is the wrong terminology, but I always looked at finance teams and the HR teams as such an important support system for those guys and gals out in front. And if you could understand their roles and what they were going through, then you were much more equipped to supply I don't know, supply, but, you know, find that individual who would work well and excel in that type of environment. And I'm not a believer of you need experience, you need this, you need that. I'm a believer of the person, we can train them to do whatever. But I, I just think, you know, I'd be interested in your take. Does that ring true to you that the your ability to support those teams was improved because you actually work some of those positions?
1: Absolutely. I would say, similar to your conversations in, in previous podcasts, I, 35 years later, still hire the person, not the experience. I think that's a huge part of it. And so for me personally, my father never finished high school, built his own business. And we all, myself and my three brothers, we all worked for him. And my father wore, was the CEO and wore a uniform every day to work with his name on it. And it was a message to everybody else. And I think bringing that to hospitality, it definitely is a, plus when you already have that in your belief system. In the spirit of, of Thankful Tuesdays, Paul Daly, who's celebrating I think his 35th year with Hyatt, was the food and beverage director, the executive steward and the rooms division manager while I was going through my program. Paul knew every housekeeper, stewarder, banquet employee by name, he knew their family. And when he asked how you're doing, he actually meant it and waited for the answer. And so that, that was someone who stuck with me And again, 35 years later, I've always remembered that. And so, yes, I think that's important. And even in your examples of finance or HR, where they sit during a break in the hotel, where they go, who they talk to, like all of those things matter. And I'm a big, big believer that that's the type of talent and personality that's successful and happy and has a long run in hospitality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I've been fortunate since I retired and went into the consulting thing that I've done some work for the tech companies out in, in Mountain View and Sunnyvale and all those areas. And to see how they think through the whole experience from start to finish. Now they have billions of dollars, so they kind of go overboard a little bit. But if you take that and scale it to what your operation can afford, then I think it's very interesting to see how they've taken on that mentality. And and. I've always tried to do that with our teams as well as, you know, take it from the time you walk in the back door to the time you're greeting the guest or wherever you're going within the building. So you have this great run with Hyatt for about eight, and then you join what we all refer to as (laughs) the mini mothership of Starwood. Did Starwood call for you? Did you find Starwood? How did that change come about?
1: Sure. I had just finished a stint in New Orleans, and I realized it was a great city to learn from, but not a great city to live. And the phone rang. And uh, the recruiter said, "You know, there's this guy called Barry Sternlich who runs this company called Starwood Capital. Let us, and he's going to figure out a privately owned company in the West Coast is going to dance with a big public conglomerate in the in Boston called Sheraton, and we'd love to have you join." And so, timing, like most people's careers, is everything. So it was a very exciting opportunity. I was incredibly impressed with the vision with, with Starwood. I moved up to Boston and worked out of the Boston Park Plaza Hotel, and I loved the New England area. And I was the regional HR director for the New England hotels. And as you've said, many things on your podcast that I loved. One of them was your question about the castles, I think to Vera or someone, Vera <laughs> yeah. Manuki. So uh, I had our a, a, a area or regional manager at the time named Bill Feather. And Bill was wonderful to me, had me move around to different places. And he said, hey, you know what? You're not an HR guy. I think you're an ops guy. I'm going to put you at the, the Sheraton Framingham and you're going to be the GM for, for six months and we'll see how you do. And so uh, I took a stint at that cause I had done a GM role with the Hyatt and Cherry Hill before it closed. And I've taken two cracks at being an operator, but I, I like the employee complaints more than the guest complaints, I guess. So I worked for Bill for about a year and I uh, met my now wife, Jennifer of 23 years there. I had a big speech ready because uh, Alan and A provided an opportunity to say, Hey, we need someone to go to Chicago and take on California and some of the issues in Chicago area. We'd love to have you do it. And for the first time, I was ready to say no, as you can appreciate with your background. And I had a lunch with my now wife and said, listen, I have this opportunity. My wife, born and raised in South Shore of Boston, walks to work, sings every day on how much she loved her job. And I said, how do you feel about moving to Chicago? And I was prepared for this whole hour speech. Within 30 seconds, she said, I'm in. So I asked her to marry me. We moved to Chicago for a year and a half. And then eventually came back to the New England and the Westchester area, coming back to Starwood. And I was fortunate enough to run one of two regions at the time, Virgie Ann Baker and I were working for Todd McCarty and Dave Norton, and we did HR there. And in the spirit of a gratitude, both Dave Norton and Todd McCarty were instrumental in my background because they had taught me two very different things. Dave Norton was really really impactful in saying, as an HR person, you have to have at least two disciplines within HR before you can run a business. And so I had been largely an employee relations and problem solver with HR. And so uh, that was an opportunity for me to run staffing and recruiting for Starwood when I moved back to White Plains. Probably my most favorite job, Brian, we were building up W Brands, we were reinventing the voice, internal voice for Sheraton, Sheraton Four Points, St. Regis, Weston, of course. And so learning how to do that was really an exciting time for us. And so we had dollars, the business was doing really well. And so that was a real great chapter. And then I moved into a labor relations role. The industry was a little bit behind. You know well, Unite H-E-R-E is the hotel unions. And the unions were a little in front of us because of how The hotel business is structured with their multi-employer groups in each city where it's largely owners and some operators in there but they don't all talk to one another and what unite hre did very very well is they had figured out four or five years ago how to have all the contracts expire within the same year across the country and so the leverage they had was was tremendous and so by the time we saw that we were in defense mode as an industry and so I moved into a dedicated labor role along with George Green and we uh, we worked on figuring out how to survive the upcoming strikes and labor challenges that all came through and then certainly negotiations. It was a, an incredible learning experience on what gets done, how it gets done, and who you do it with in front of the curtain, behind the curtain and everywhere in between was really fascinating. You add to it that we were trying to launch and build W hotels with non-union staff, at least in the restaurants and bars, and trying to negotiate that while the rest of your your city and your hotels were all kind of under siege was a really interesting time. But but Dave was amazing in, in, in telling me to kind of find the way to have a couple of areas of expertise for my future. And then Todd McCarty has been amazing, still a great friend, but Todd really taught me how to learn a business and leverage relationships as much as build them. And Todd was very good to me in my time there. And so having done both of those, and then when Todd left, I had the opportunity to run HR for North America for about a year, but the industry was really in a unique place with labor. And you know that from your days there and the organization asked me to take labor on full time and to do so work under the legal team. And as much as I thought it was an amazing experience, my passion was employer relations, not labor relations. So it was a good time for me to to move on. And uh, I was lucky. Jeff mentioned in one of your podcasts earlier, Jeff Pilotti. Wyndham had just broken off of Ascendant Corporation and they, they built three different companies, one of which was Wyndham. And uh, it was an opportunity for me to go somewhere and learn international HR without having to move abroad. I had a young family at that time. And so we had a great run with Starwood, but it was it was an amazing, amazing time. And as you know, you know, sometimes you don't know what a run you're having until you walk away from it. But the, the growth and the trajectory of the brand, the company and the, and really the industry was really special.
0: Yeah. You know, I can remember, you know, it's, it's so funny. You mentioning names, you know, and I'm writing them down as you're talking here, but you know, Bill (laughs) Feather, Yeah. you know, I, I remember Bill, when we took over the, Aladdin in. Vegas. Not many people realize that when it switched to planet Hollywood, it was all like the shirt and sweet sleeper in there and Starwood was in there, but nobody knew we were in there. So I think that's the last time I saw Bill. And then George Green, I mean, it it brings back just a flood of memories because to your point at that point, we were learning so much about unions and how to deal with all that. And the amount of, you know, you guys used to put on some great seminars and calls and, and all of those things that just helped us out in the field really be able to do what we were trying to do better and educate us on, you know, what we can do and what we can't do and what we should be doing. So just some, a flood of memories with some of these <laughs> things, which is why I love doing this show because, you know, you, I hadn't thought of Bill Feathers f- for, since forever. <laughs> and yet now the yeah. stories I could do a whole show on just taking over the Aladdin, I think at this point, but that is well, awesome. If I, if,
1: if I could interrupt, I'll say a couple of things that really stood out like, Back then, like I wanted Keith, I his, I wanted Keith's job out in Hawaii. I, I thought that was the coolest job on the planet. I'm like, wait a minute, you get to do what, where? Yeah. And so that was fun hearing his name on one of your podcasts. And then, you know, in your appreciation or, or the Tuesday, thanks. I would have to say with Jeff Bellotti, as you know, him very well and his humility. One of the many things I remember was him saying, Hey, can you do me a favor? This was when I was in my labor role. Can we just sit down for lunch? And I don't know any of the things you're talking about. Let get me caught up on what I need to know as the president of the business. And I just thought that was so refreshing versus how a lot of leaders looked at it because it was unprecedented for all of us. And so it was quite a quite an interesting time for the industry and certainly for us.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and, and Jeff talks about it. You, and whether you know it or not, you are a big reason for, he holds you in very high regard to the fact that you're the one who brought him to Wyndham and you're the one who, kind of set him up for success over there now you're going to say no it wasn't me blah 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 because you're a humble guy but he speaks very passionately about that that you know you were able to kind of bring his name into the fold to get him over there so both of you had a great run i mean he's still there you've yeah. since moved on but i think it, it's you know which is one of the things i wanted to ask you about right because i know you have this love of hospitality and as a very strong HR leader, that skill is transferable, obviously, between not even, not only segments of the hospitality world, but segments of industry, right? Because you've gone from Hyatt to Starwood to Wyndham, and then you jump over into Frontier Communications, right? Yeah, yeah. And then back into hospitality with Equinox. And people may not think of Equinox as a hospitality firm. But I, I think it is for sure. Uh, so that should be fun for you, right? Because you can
1: transfer all these skills into all these different industries. Yes. And a couple of things that stood out as I was excited to kind of think back as this this podcast makes you do. Dave Norton, I mentioned earlier, said to me when I was um, when I was leaving Wyndham and I appreciate the kind thoughts from Jeff, as you know, he's way more humble than honest on those. But <laughs> that, that was the easiest thing I could have ever done. But Jeff was instrumental. I was there for about three years and the CEO was changing. Aaron, Eric Danzing at the time was coming in and I was, wasn't was the guy Eric wanted. And looking back, those happen at the time. it was the first time I'd really had that not on my terms. And I was in a tailspin and trying to figure out life. And Jeff sat me down and said, this is real easy. These are the things that happen and you get more senior in your career. And I reached out to a couple of people to say, what do I want to do next? And Dave Norton was really instrumental because he said, What I would encourage you to do is is you've been a very successful hospitality HR guy. I'd encourage you to be an HR professional. And one way to do that is is see what you can do outside of hospitality. One, supply and demand. There wasn't jobs everywhere number one and two. It really did encourage me to be open to it. The reason I went to Frontier and including my other job, I went for manufacturing, right or wrong, looking back, both were three miles from my home. So at the time I had young family and... Back then, when everybody actually commuted to their office, it was a big difference for me. And so, right or wrong, that was a part of the decision factor. But Frontier just acquired a huge part of Verizon's landline business as they were going into a whole new part of their, their business. And they were looking for me based on my labor background, I mentioned to you with Starwood. And two, they were looking for someone with a fresh perspective and kind of thinking through how a very unionized workforce could think about service at a different level and kind of resetting that culture. So it was a it was an interesting opportunity for me, but can leave. I knew almost right away that it was a labor job and that was really going to be affects bargaining for, for the rest of my life, as opposed to a culture integration. And so, but it was really helpful to your point. Todd McCarty called me back up after a year there and said, Hey, you know, there's this role that I think you're perfect for. You've grown up in sports, you love health, and it's a hospitality company in Manhattan called Equinox. And so that's, that's how I jumped back into it. And I appreciate your comment about it being hospitality. I feel like even the role I'm in now, hospitality is a broad term. And I think Mm -hmm. it's around member experience. And I've I've, I've forever had that in my veins since since being in Buffalo at the Hyatt. And so I feel that's a very big influence on my career choices and certainly how I try and influence the organizations I'm in.
0: Now, where was Equinox in its development and growth as a company when you joined and then when you left? Because I mean, now there's hotels, I mean, I remember yeah. my first initial impression when I saw you go into Equinox was those are very upscale health clubs. And yes. I, think I think they've taken the brand to a whole different level now.
1: Yes. Like I felt with Starwood and Wyndham, timing is is part of your equation of success. And I was joining, as we said back then, health was the new wealth. Like at that time, the the industry was really exploding with the upper tier. And so I joined when we were 41 locations in 12 cities, and I had a a wonderfully rewarding eight years of growth. We acquired SoulCycle when it was six studios and built that to 60 studios. We moved Equinox Fitness Clubs from 40 domestically to 112 and moved international expansion there. We, We launched Blink Fitness, and as you mentioned, we launched Equinox Hotels. And so the growth was was amazing and uh, the run in the economy allowed us to do both. The business model was excellent and there was such a tear for it and I learned so much around branding from the organization there and how they did it. Sometimes very disruptive but nonetheless I guess I learned the term every impression is a good impression and so we learned a lot there but it was an amazing amazing run for us.
0: Yeah I mean it's such a dynamic company and you know the fact that you know, you've got your international background, you've got your branding background from, you know, because you were there at the start of W, hotels and things of that nature. And it's, it always amazes me because I think you said it earlier, you just never know what you're learning and when it's going to all come together. And you're going to pull it out of a part of that brain that you haven't thought of for a while and say, "Yes, yeah, this is kind of what we did at W's. And I think there was a, was Aaron Rick with Equinox or is he yes. still? Yes, still there. still Yeah. There. Very don't, You know, and I learned a ton from him on the design side of things. And he yeah. was, cause he was a young whippersnapper back then. He's still a young whippersnapper, <laughs> yeah. but just, you know, you're involved with all those people in different aspects. So I think you just pull from everything, which is why you've had such huge success, which then it drives me into the next question is okay. You're back in the hospitality era with Equinox. And then blinds to go comes along and chief people officer there you know, an iconic brand for, you know, home furnishing type of thing. How did that all come about?
1: Sure. Well, one, the influence of the business and the industry that you helped lead for a while of franchising was a huge part of it for me. And certainly joining Wyndham, as you heard from from Jeff and others on your podcast, is a franchise business. And so mm-hmm. I learned the the business model of franchising and the value of it and that there's a niche for every customer or every business. And So one, it it was also in my hometown. So I'm guilty of both Frontier and Blinds to Go being a, a bicycle ride commute as a part of that. But it was an opportunity for me to get into a different space where I was gonna be a partner of the business. They had and have been incredibly successful in their manufacturing. They have manufacturing plants in the US and Canada along with the retail, and it's a very profitable business. And after four or five dinners with a neighbor saying, Hey, come on over while I was at Equinox, it wasn't really the right time. And then he continued to encourage me to ask him for help. And I started some, some consulting stuff. And then one dinner after another, he said, you know, come on over. We have a bigger need than just HR. We really, are looking for you to help influence how this organization goes to the next chapter. And they were ready to do that. And it was a really good experience for me because it was the first time I really had been in a true founder led company, although uh, Equinox is certainly a private company. It was very apparent that it's a privately run company and in joining them, the family was part of the business, a lot of the leadership team. And it was a really, really good experience for me to learn another business to your point, but to understand how manufacturing works. I'd never touched that. And I think between that and retail, those were really great experiences. And then like my calling for Equinox, I had met and asked Sarah Rob O'Hagan to join us at Equinox. She was at the time the president of Gatorade, and I had asked her to join us as the president of Equinox. And so Sarah joined us and she was there for a couple of years and then went off to do her own thing and consulting and write a few books. And she had called me while I was at Blinds to go and said, hey, I just joined this company called Exos. They're based in Phoenix. They're looking for me to open up an office in New York. I'm on their board. And they've asked me to kind of move from the board member to the CEO. And what they're asking me to do is exactly what you do well. And do you have any interest? So I flew out to Phoenix and the Scottsdale area for a couple of days and about as inspiring of a weekend as I've ever had in my professional career, not just from Sarah, but the team I still work with today, the founder, Mark Verstegen, just wonderful human beings. And I fell in love with the business. It's hospitality, it's sports. And it's the science of human performance, which I know sounds like a technical term, but you know a lot of our group are proud nerds that that have a lot of education around how the body performs. And so now we take our expertise with athletes and bring it to the workplace. And there's never been a better time, as you know, during the pandemic and certainly coming out of it. And so um, it was a great opportunity to look at different industries. Wonderful times, but I'm. I'm really where I love to be. Sports and hospitality are still in my veins from upstate New York, and they'll be there for, until I say retirement.
0: So now I want to talk about Exos because I have to be honest with you, I'm not completely familiar with it. So, uh, is it a brick and mortar type of thing, or is it more virtually constructed? Is it, you know, is, is it doing seminars? I mean, I get the athlete <laughs> part right because that's got to be a one-on-one training thing, I guess, but. As you transferred it over into business, how does that all work? Are there Exos offices or?
1: Sure. (laughs) Yeah. You're not alone, by the way. This is what (laughs) I do for a living, which is great. (laughs) So our company was built on the part that probably is the easiest to understand that you mentioned, the elite athlete business. And so our founder, Mark Verstegen, and his team built their authority on teams and athletes from Olympic teams to to professional athletes. And right now we're in the middle of the NFL combine. So we're really proud. This is a a really fun time of year for us, where we train and prepare athletes for the combine coming up in a couple of weeks. And so, so that business has been our true North star and it's easiest to understand. With that success, many opportunities came to our founder over the last 23 years. And one of which was to work with Google at the time came to us and said, Hey, Mark, can you figure out how you you bring this next level of team and performance from the field to the office. And so Mark and his organization way before I joined had created a consulting business and helped them with thinking about just that team performance and how to help elevate people. That led to a variety of other opportunities, including the military. So we, we train the military to train the military. So we help them understand how the human body can perform in, to an extreme level to be combat ready, depending on the part of the armed services they're in. And then the biggest part is we acquired a company called MediFit roughly six or seven years ago. that has been historically a fitness center management company with the idea that we would manage the fitness centers, but also bring this authority that Exos has around methodology and and how people can um, not only stay in shape, but grow and perform and things of that nature from the elite side. And so when we acquired that company, to your question, it's roughly... 300 fortune 500 companies around the world and about 450 locations where we are both brick and mortar and even during the pandemic if they were they were closed our coaches went on the wild and kind of figured out how to train virtually and and by necessity we figured out remote digital and virtual coaching through the pandemic but prior to the pandemic we were a fitness center management company to roughly 350 Fortune 500 companies, a very big presence. And that could be everything from front desk to group fitness classes, to personal trainers, et cetera. And then during the pandemic, we learned how to deliver that content virtually, obviously. And now we are a hybrid company where our business model is each client in the employer side I'll use American Express or Google has, we have 220 employees with Google, which is why it was great to hear you have Michael Bacher on. So Michael is our client. We support Michael's business in the, the performance of fitness side. So we have clients like that will have a staffing model. And the way it works for us is there are employees, but they're on their sites. Mm-hmm. So we have roughly 4,000 employees working in sites around the world where there are employees, but they're in essence subject to two cultures, the culture they're living in every day and the culture that. I'm passionately preaching every day. And so, we do have that brick and mortar business too. So as you can hear, we're complicated. And then most recently, we took our best coaches who are also the most motivating, inspiring people because they help other people get to the next level. And we've begun a professional coaching and team development program as companies have come back and said, Hey, listen, we love what you do for us, but I now have a brand new team or my team's now getting together for the first time after three years in a pandemic. Do you do anything like that to help teams kind of reinvent themselves and think about how they can be a high-performing team? And if you spent any time on our site, watching us, we say greatness is a team sport, and so it's a big part of our DNA. And so that business has been bananas for us for the last really five or six months, as as organizations are trying to figure out how to gather again and how to interact with many of them the first time, as people have been reset or, or teams have been reset. So we have all of those businesses which is why we're really hard to understand if you research us.
0: Well, yeah. And so for Google, does that mean that you guys run the, like, so for example, the new campus in, in Mountain View, are you guys running that monster fitness center they have in the main new campus?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah, I was very lucky because I was involved in opening the hotel across the street for the Googlers with the Google Hotel, and uh, I got to do a tour of the new campus over there And that gym. I hesitate <laughs> to call it a gym, yeah but it's just spectacular what they've done over there. So those are your employees, and I know that feeling because as a contractor to Google, you get the mm-hmm. advantages of all the Google perks, but you also get the advantages of your own company's perks, so you kind of almost double dip on a lot of things.
1: It is a great situation, but it's confusing to our employees. So doing what I do for a living, it's always tough to remind them who they work for. and thankfully, an example like Google, the norms and the values are exactly the same, so that's not hard. But you know it is complicated when you have your team sitting in other buildings interacting with other people every day. but we're thankful that we came out of it bigger, better, stronger, and we feel like uh, like the world is looking for what we provide, which is always a good thing.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you guys have been swamped the last five, six months, because what I'm finding out there is so many people, you know, you used to have 80% of your team working out of one office site or one campus. And since the pandemic, and a lot of companies went the opposite way saying, oh, you can work remote from anywhere. Now you have like 20% of your people working in the same building or same area. And the challenge is how do you get them all together? Because at the end of the day, we're all humans, we need to interact and in order to grow and in order to improve, you've got to have that team aspect to it. So I've got to believe that's going to be a huge growth opportunity for you guys for the upcoming years as the industries continue to figure that out.
1: Yes, it's it's been, you know, we both know the term invention is the mother of the necessity is the invention of, of innovation. And so for us, we, we're in the studio building business now, so we're, we're not competing with the Pelotons or Equinoxes or Soul Cycle, but we do have a lot of professional coaches who are helping people, high potentials, high value teams outside of movement and nutrition. And so it's been fun getting into the production business as well to, to satisfy some of that need, which we're thrilled with. So will we see Exos on the
0: side of a building somewhere or is it still more an industry led insider type of thing? Great question.
1: We will not really outside of where we train professional athletes. So we have four locations now where Exos is that face, voice, and brand. But right now, we are largely a B2B business, at times behaving like a to c mm-hmm. within the mode of, of an employer. But but our model is that uh, brick and mortar buildings with Exos on them are where we train our elite athletes. And today, that's Scottsdale, Frisco, Texas, Florida. And uh, soon to be another two markets, but Southern California, and we're looking at two other markets, but there, those are Exos branded. And part of what's been the exciting journey for us, as our founder would say, is the elite athletes that have been so loyal to our brand and to our founder and his team before we joined, they keep asking us, how are you going to make this more mainstream? And they know who Exos is, but if you, if you ask the common person, they wouldn't. And that's not something we're looking to change overnight, unless we're working with you directly around executive coaching team building or in the sports business
0: yeah and is exos the word because it's not really a word but does, <laughs> does it stand for is it an acronym for something or or is it just a name
1: i'm gonna get yelled at for saying it but it's the exercise of science is kind of the, oh, the acronym okay. part so and we one of our values is we're proud nerds and so i'd be remiss if i didn't say we have passionate scientists in the human body from psychiatrists the kinesiology and everything in between that really make sure what we're providing is proven with science behind it. And so that's part of our DNA to remind us that we're science-led, not necessarily sweat-led. Hopefully they equal the same, but it's a very different model than a lot of the the brands people are used to. Well,
0: I mean, it makes perfect sense when you think about the history of the company and how it started with those, you know, elite athletes. That that makes perfect sense. So listen, I could talk about this for another three hours, but I know you've got a life, so I, I don't want to keep you from that. So um, it is Tuesday and I know you've thanked some people along the way here, but I'm going to turn the mic over to you. And if there's anyone else you'd like to give thanks to, the mic is yours, young man.
1: Well, thank you. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I love the comment you had a couple of podcasts ago from Jeff about Rose, Rosa Forde yes. and his assistant at Wyndham, Christine, who I knew when I was in my Wyndham days. So I loved that. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Jeff. I think uh, as everybody knows who talks about him, Jeff is someone who is about as genuine and sincere as anybody I've ever met. I would say the other partner is Sarah Rob O'Hagan, who is my current CEO, and and she has very similar qualities and leadership, which is why I'm, I'm humbled to be working with her now, as I did with Jeff. But Todd McCarty was a huge impact for me. Todd was a sponsor for me while at Starwood and allowed me some roles that have forever changed my career. And as I mentioned, he was kind enough to also put my name in the hat for the Equinox role. And I thought that was just a really great eight years of my life. So, so many others, I mentioned Paul Daly and Hyatt, who taught me humility and and to actually listen when you ask people how they're doing. And so I could mention many others, but I would say for today's call, those were really great. And I want to personally thank you, Brian, all sincerity. I'm having lunch with Jim McPartland today. I reached out to Carla. I will certainly reach out to John Payton and many other names. You mentioned Denise Cole. Hopefully Jeff gets her on the show. But it's been, it's been wonderful to talk about a very special time in my life. And I just want to say on this Tuesday of thanks, I'm thankful for you for including me. And I'm thankful for the way you celebrate relationships and to celebrate an industry I'm really passionate around. So I'll end it with a thanks to you.
0: Well, thank you. You're not supposed to thank the host, but that's very kind of you. (laughs) And and if it it was earlier in the morning, I'd jump on the train and come into the city and meet you guys for lunch. But tell Mr. McPartland I said hello. And again, I can't thank you enough for setting some time aside today. You've had just an incredible journey that's still got many legs to it. And just the diversity of the companies you've worked with, the diversity of the roles makes for a fascinating and, and very successful career. So kudos to you and congratulations. So I'll end this as I always do, people. It's it's Tuesday. Get out there and thank somebody. They're going to love it and, and you're going to feel good doing it. So again, Greg, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Brian. It's been a true pleasure. Appreciate you. you enjoyed the show today and thanks so much for tuning in we really appreciate it if you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career please reach out to me via our Tuesday Thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com remember a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day so until next time be well Be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon.